Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. That a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. That's how the Christmas story begins. It, it begins under the auspices of the Roman government. Judea, Jerusalem, were living under Roman rule when Jesus was born. At the time the Messiah came, Israel was living under the domination of a foreign power. And even though there was a degree of peace in Palestine at the time, uh, they were chomping at the bit to get out from under this oppressive Roman government rule. They wanted a conquering king. They wanted somebody to come and ride in on a great white stallion and set them free. But what they really needed was a savior. The world was broken. The Romans occupied Israel. The Jews were living under uh, the dominion of a foreign king. And things were a mess. And last time I checked, things are still a mess, aren't they? I mean, five weeks ago, two suicide bombers blew up 43 innocent bystanders in Beirut, Lebanon. Two days later, Paris. A week after that, the Planned Parenthood Clinic in Colorado. Not even a week later, San Bernardino, California. 14 people who worked for an organization that helped people with special needs murdered. Thank you, ISIS. On December 3rd, I read an article in the National Post about they carried an article about these wild sex parties that are taking place in Vancouver nightclubs that are licensed by the city of Vancouver. One Vancouver source was, was quoted as saying, everyone is trying to ride the edge to see what they can get away with. And that edge is getting sharper and sharper all the time. Ain't it so? We live in a broken world. Surrounded by broken lives and broken relationships and broken systems. The world is broken. And we see the evidence of this brokenness all around us. I mean, it's just everywhere. But brokenness also leads us to search for a way to make life work. I mean, if it wasn't for the brokenness, we wouldn't be driven to find something else, something better. And in contrast to the brokenness, we also see beauty, don't we? In nature and other things, we see beauty and we see purpose and we see evidence of God's design. It's there, we see it. It compels us. Well, the Bible tells us that God originally planned everything to work together, where everything and everyone lived in harmony. I mean, you just go back and read the early chapters of Genesis, and time and time again, God created something and saw that it was good. So everything was very good in the beginning. It was perfect, in fact. God made each one of us with a purpose. 
He made each one of us under His design to walk with Him and to worship Him. But life just doesn't work well when we ignore God and His original design for us. It doesn't work well. We selfishly insist on doing things our own way, uh, and the Bible calls that sin. We all sin, and we all distort the original design of God for our lives. I wish it wasn't so, but it is. And the consequence of our sin is separation from God. There's this great chasm between us and God, uh, both in this life and for eternity. Sin separates us from God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, according to Romans chapter 3. And according to Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. Spiritual separation from God now and forever. Unless we address that problem. And I mean, Adam and Eve had it all, didn't they? They lived in a perfect world and had a perfect uh, a relationship. They enjoyed a, a perfect uh, connection with God. Everything was perfect. Uh, there was no tension between them, and there was no separation between them and God. There was no pollution or global warming, uh, no disease, no death, no corruption, no injustice, no violence, no hatred, no jihad. They lived in a perfect world that was full of hope. But apparently it wasn't enough for them. That wasn't enough. And so they stepped across the line, did their own thing, and disobeyed God. Now, you say, I mean, taking a bite of an apple, if in fact it was an apple, uh, taking a bite of this forbidden fruit doesn't appear to be all that bad on the surface, does it? I mean, I love apples and eat as many as I can every day. It doesn't seem like taking a, a, a bite of a piece of fruit seems all that bad, but really it was an in-your-face, uh, all-out act of self control and self-rebellion. It's self-centered rebellion. It was, it was an act of, of defiance and the spitting in the face of God. It was a, a declaration of, of self-autonomy. And it was ugly. And it was evil. And it affected every one of us. Sin always leads to a place of brokenness. Always. And we see it around us, and we see it in our own lives, we see it in, in our families and in our schools, and, 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 and we see it in, in, in our workplaces. And, and when we finally realize life is not working, we start to look for a way out. We, we try to manufacture a way to make it work. We tend to go in many different directions, trying to make sense of life and trying to find something that gives us meaning and purpose. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death, just like everything else. Brokenness often leads us to that place of emptiness where we realize that we need something more. We want something more, something better than what we're experiencing. So, brokenness can actually lead us to hope. That's why I never discourage when I talk to broken people. Because I was one 
And, and, and to some degree, I still am broken. But I don't, I'm, not, I'm never afraid to talk to broken people because I'm convinced that brokenness can also lead us to hope. We can use that brokenness to help people see that they're broken and that life is not working and that there's a better answer, there's a better person that we can turn to. There's a greater purpose in life. God can use the brokenness in your life to bring hope. I mean, there's a story that goes, goes back to the early 1990s and the war in Sarajevo. And the former Yugoslavia was um, experiencing war yet again in the early 1990s. And there's a story that comes out of Sarajevo in which... Uh, a cellist who played for the Sarajevo Symphony Orchestra put on his, uh, put on his tuxedo and sat in a burned-out chair in the middle of a bomb crater playing his cello. Now, the crater was outside of a bakery in his neighborhood where just the day before, 22 people who were standing in line for bread were killed by a bomb that went off. Did you know that during the siege of Sarajevo in the early 1990s, more than 10,000 people were killed? When I worked for Samaritan's Purse, I met a lot of their families. Changed my life. Really did. And so for the next 22 days, one day for each of the bombing victims, this cellist with the Sarajevo Symphony sat in this uh, bomb crater on a burned-out chair playing his cello. He sat in that bomb crater and played his cello for 22 days. Completely vulnerable because there were, if you remember uh, the history, uh, there were snipers stationed all throughout the city and they were picking off people left, right, and center. But this guy never got shot. And I think it was probably the beauty of his presence that repelled the violence of war. His music created an oasis of hope for the people of Sarajevo. His music offered hope to the people of Sarajevo. But it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that offers hope to the world. It's His gospel that brings hope to our lives and to our souls and to everyone who hears it. The gospel of Jesus Christ offers real hope, eternal hope to the people of the world. People just like us who were once lost and lonely and so broken and we didn't even know it. So hope may not be what you want for Christmas, but it's something that you actually need. You need it. The gospel of hope offers the promise of restoration and reconciliation and renewal. God, because of His great love for us, did not leave us alone in our brokenness and our hopelessness, but rather sent His Son, Jesus, to, uh, to live a perfect life according to the design of God. Jesus came to bring fresh hope to us and to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He took our sin and He took our shame upon Himself when He went to the cross of Calvary. He paid the penalty uh, of our sin by his death on the cross. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we declare Sunday after Sunday and that we try to live out Monday through Saturday. This is the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his 
one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the gospel. And the Apostle Paul reminded the church at Corinth that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and then on the third day, according to the Scripture, He was raised from the grave alive. This is the gospel. This is the core of the gospel message. This is the, this is the text of, script, of Scripture. And this is the text of Christmas. It's the good news. The message that brings us promise and hope back into our lives. And if simply hearing the good news was enough, then most of the world would be saved. But simply hearing the good news is not enough. It's not enough. We must come to that place where we admit uh, to God that our sinful brokenness is more than we can handle. We've got to come to that place where we admit our sinful brokenness to Him and, 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 and start trusting in Christ. Stop trusting in ourselves. We don't have the power to escape all of this brokenness on our own. We need to be rescued. We need a rescuer. We need a savior. We need to ask God to forgive us, and we need to turn from our sin and turn toward God in faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what we need. That's what we really need at Christmas. And this is what it means to repent and believe. You see, when you repent of your sin, you turn away from it. When you believe in Jesus, you embrace all that He did and all that He is. And, and when you do that, when you repent and believe, and they always go together, repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you do that, the Bible says you are born again. You're given new life, new hope, a new beginning. You become partakers of the divine nature of God Himself. Woo! What a Christmas gift that is. And, and, and repentance is important. Mark 1.5, Jesus said the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Ephesians 2.8.9, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one can boast. It's a gift. It comes by grace. And Romans 10.9, If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be, what? Saved. saved. Not just helped, not just encouraged, not just motivated, not just inspired, all good things, but saved, actually saved. Forgiven for your sin and you start a brand new relationship with God. Wow. And then when God restores our relationship to the Father, Abba Father, we, we, we're, we're restored in this relationship with God through faith in Jesus, then uh, we begin to, to, to discover or rediscover the meaning and purpose behind life in this broken world. Genuine hope, biblical hope starts to seep back into our hearts and into our lives and we go, wow! I mean, the, the sky is bluer and the grass is greener and the sea is deeper and my wife is beautiful and everything is good. You know, everything changes. The, you know, that, in that moment when we, when we finally get it. Ka-ching! 
It, it, it begins to make sense. And when we really start to see the design and purpose of God in the midst of all the brokenness, as we sit in the crater and play the gospel, it makes sense. And now we can recover and pursue God's design in every area of our life. And so in a sense, we come full circle. So, so I guess, you know, now that you've heard the good news, and, and now, now that you understand some of what's available to you, how do you respond? I mean, God is looking for a response from us. Absolutely, for sure He is. God wants you to respond to His gifts of love and, and hope in a, in a very personal way. He's looking for that this morning. And you can respond to Him in faith just by using words. Uh, perhaps uh, we would call it prayer. Uh, that, that might sound something like this. Father, my life is broken. I, I know it's broken. And it, I know that it's broken because of me. It's my fault. I did this. This is not your fault. And I, I just need you. I believe that Jesus Christ came to live and, and die and, and come out of the grave alive again to rescue me. I get that now. You could say, Father, forgive me. I, I want to turn away from my sin and turn toward Jesus and believe in Him and trust in Him. I know now that Jesus is the Lord of all. I don't have answers to all my questions yet, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to stop trusting in myself and I'm going to trust you. And that's what it means to repent and believe. And that's how you can express that to God, e even today. And I, Maybe some, some people here are ready for that today. And Romans 10, 13 is a, is a wonderful promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's just a blunt, kind of in-your-face, this is truth, here it is. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I hope that you'll do that today. If, you've, if you're not saved, if you're not part of the family of God, if you're brand new to this whole thing, or just making your way, you have a degree of interest, then why not today make that decision? Just say, yeah. A new study from two economists revealed that the mortality rate among white middle-aged men has crept up annually a half a percent from 1999 to 2013. So that 14 year span, the mortality rate has gone up for white middle-aged men. The article said what's killing these men is even more disturbing. Article said it's suicide, alcohol, and drug poisonings. As manufacturing and construction jobs have evaporated and wages have stagnated, blue-collar workers have turned to alcohol and drugs to numb their misery. To put it bluntly, the author of the article said, 
middle-aged white men are dying of despair. They're dying of despair? It means they have no hope. That's what it means. It means they have no hope. You put your hope in a bottle or, or a bunch of pills, you're going to wake up the next day or the next week or the next, next month and still be as hopeless and as wrung out and as stressed out as you were before. I mean, we're looking at a, at a, at a generation, probably two or maybe even now three generations of people who were raised to believe, mark my word, you can do anything that you want to do. You can do anything you set your mind to, honey. You just do it. You go, girl. You can do anything. We've raised a whole generation or two or three who believe that they could do anything or be anything and, and they'll be successful at whatever they do and now they are coping badly with their failure to do so. So tell me why we keep giving every kid on the team a trophy to say, you are a champion, even if they're the last team in the league. Why do we do that? We're setting them up to realize when they get a little bit older, not everybody's a winner. Not everybody's a champion. Not everybody is successful at anything that they want to do. Well, I just want to stay home and play video games. Who's going to pay me for that? Ain't going to happen. The world is broken. So they want better wages and they want better, bigger houses and they want more holidays. But what they need really is salvation. It's a clear case of socks and underwear, right? What you, what you want and what you need are two different things. You ask for a hockey jersey for Christmas, you get socks and underwear. You want money, you want fame, you want power, but what you really need is Jesus. What you really need is the gospel message to change and transform your life. And that's why, that's why Paul prayed like this in the book of Romans. He prayed, may the God of hope, aha, there it is. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That's all I want for Christmas. And believe me, that's all I need. See, the God of hope fills us with hope so that we may abound in hope through faith in Jesus Christ, who is our hope. And this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That brings hope. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. His sacrifice fills us with hope. Doesn't it? And Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, why not? <laughs> why not take that step today? Why not just say with your lips, Jesus is Lord. I believe that Jesus is the Lord. I, I believe that he is who he said he is. 
He's the savior of the world. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the prince of peace. I believe it. I just believe it. It doesn't make total sense to me yet. I don't understand it all yet, but I, I, I believe it. I just believe it. And then, conf- you know, believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and on the third day, according to the scriptures, he came out of the grave alive. I trust Jesus as my Savior. There may be people here this morning who are ready to do that. I suspect there might be. So why don't we pray together? Let's pray together now, shall we? And I'm going to pray out loud, but you, of course, can pray silently where you're sitting. And um, if you're one of those people who feels ready to believe, to trust in Jesus, then why don't you do that? Lord Jesus, we we thank you this morning for the gift of hope that you bring to us because of Christmas, because of the cross, because of your resurrection from the dead. Lord Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God with us, and God so very much for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you came to earth to seek and save that which was lost. And that's some of us. And Lord, we're, we're, we're just so lost without you. The hopes and hurts and fears and tears of all our years are met right here in your presence. You are all we need and way more than we could ever imagine. So Jesus, it's, it's really a source of immeasurable hope and joy to know that you're presently at work in all things for our good and for your glory. And today I pray that you will rescue every person who puts their faith in you today. Every person who repents, turns away from their sin and turns toward you in faith, fledgling faith, baby step faith, that you will rescue them and and that that they will be able to declare right now that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that God raised them Jesus from the dead. Lord, save these people. These are the ones that have been prepared by your Spirit for Jesus to rescue today. Rescue them, Lord, and, and fill them with hope in the excited and exalted and glorious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.